I'm Daniel Gowerluck, and this is On Earth. On Earth is brought to you by the Pacific Museum of Earth. In this podcast, we aim to show what it's like to be an Earth, ocean, or atmospheric scientist. There's a lot of diversity under that umbrella, and not all of our scientists wear lab coats. Today on Earth, we're talking to... Flavio Mico. Flavia, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad to be here, and thank you for the invite. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, now, you are a project manager with uh, Experimental Cultura, right? Yes. What is that organization? Well, um, in a short explanation, uh, Experimental Cultura is a program uh, created to encourage uh, public schools and NGO students, and also people in socioeconomic vulnerability, uh, to have a more active cultural habits. Uh, our um, aim is to democratize and facilitate the access to culture, uh, seeking as a result of uh, this experience a straightening link between the audience and culture. And uh, well. Fundamentally, before the pandemic, we took the students to museums, cultural and scientific spaces. Uh, but during and after the pandemic, we created a virtual model uh, so we could continue fulfill, fulfilling our mission. Excellent. Um, <laughs> and you do this in a very specific geographic area, right? Yes, yes. Uh, it was some uh, mainly in uh, Rio de Janeiro. Excellent. Area. And uh, we've actually worked with you. Um, you approached us to uh, deliver some virtual field trips for your students. How did you find us? Well, uh, I had a friend that was uh, uh, doing an exchange program at the UBC. And she used to visit a lot of museums inside the campus and also outside. But she sent me some um kind of a list with all the institutions that uh, she thought I could approach and see uh, if uh, us from Experimental Cultura could establish a connection or a partnership. And then I got in touch with you and it was uh, <laughs> the best gift we ever had because <laughs> um, it's a very strong partnership that we have with you. It's always uh, fun to do these sessions to see the students um, to hear the translations, to hear my words in uh, Portuguese is always a thrill. Um, and working with you has been a delight. It's uh, super exciting. How long have you been with Experimental Cultura? Well, about two years and seven to eight months right now. <laughs> wow. Yes. That's great. Fine. And uh, you've recently been awarded. Um, some recognition with the uh, Brazilian uh, government, right? So the government of Rio support our project. They finance our project. And um, yeah, we, we'll be really glad to be rewarded, but it, it, it um, did not happen yet. So <laughs> we applied to be a side event to the UNESCO Mondial Cult Conference. 
uh, that happened in, in Mexico City between uh, September 28 and September 30. And our event um, happened at the Museum of Tomorrow, a museum here in Rio, where we, we could um, um, invite uh, all um, important people from cultural backgrounds and educational backgrounds in Rio and all over the world. So it was a, a very um, rewarding um, event that we could uh, manage to organize and, and get everyone together to talk about how we could um, unite uh, strengths to build a, um, a better environment. UNESCO, you're really uh, hitting on the world stage now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we hope to. <laughs> and uh, you work with some really prestigious museums, the Getty, the Guggenheim, uh, the Met. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we managed to uh, do all these connections with uh, about um, five people working behind the scenes and... Uh, we also have uh, uh, five uh, experimental cultural educators that um, uh, get uh, in the beginning of the session making a connection between uh, where the students are here in Rio and where they're going, uh, what museums are they going to visit. So it's a small team uh, and we have many plans to achieve um, great doings. Um, How did you get into this work? Uh, what's your uh, schooling background? So I graduated in business administration and with a specialization in marketing here in Rio. And later on in 2020, uh, I got an MBA of project management from the Federal University here in Rio. Uh, and in the early 2021, uh, my path crossed again with my first boss during my first internship, and she reintroduced me to um, a, a world uh, where I could combine many tools and abilities uh, to build uh, incredible projects, and mainly social pro social projects. So uh, the last time I worked with her was uh, 2016, 2016, and it was an incredible experience that um, now I'm very thrilled to continue with uh, with experimental cultura that she started building uh, when I just left the company in the late uh, 2017. So um, I started again with her in the early 2021 with experimental cultura, and she had just finished um, uh, doing the on-site uh, visits with the students. So I could continue um, this movement to the virtual field trips. That's wonderful. Studying business and now doing social development uh, is quite a leap. Do you find that your business skills uh, contribute anything unique to your social work? Oh, well, definitely. Uh, the part of organizing um, um, how this work can, um, how can we get the best of it? Um, like extracting um, all the process and hiring educators and all of it mostly but uh, there is a gap because uh, I didn't know any of art uh, or education or this was a new world to me so I had to learn it was <laughs> a lot of research and well it, it was very fun <laughs> 
this this the beginning of this process. That's great. That's probably why working with you is like working with a well-oiled machine. Uh, your business background uh, helps you organize in a way that um, people from social sciences might not uh, be trained in. Uh, I'm a big fan of having people from diverse backgrounds and diverse skill sets because uh, what's low hanging fruit for me might be um, more difficult for you and vice versa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have uh, people from um, all, all backgrounds in, in our team. Well, um, from our educa- educators team, we have uh, two historians, uh, two um, biologists, oh. and also um, we have Marjorie that uh, she has a bachelor in um, static um, and theater theory. Oh, wow. A very diverse team. <laughs> yes. You mentioned that you've learned a lot in this job. Um, is there anything that you've learned that you found really fascinating? Well, um, certainly I learn uh, new things every day because uh, we kind of construct uh, the content uh, together with the educators. So I think the most fascinating thing about my job is that I can learn uh, new things every day while uh, doing this. And, um, well, I... Uh, personally, I prefer um, the art museums and also science museums as well. But I think my favorite is the the, the art museums. But um, well, hmm, well, yeah, just uh, transmitting the this uh, things that we learn every day to the students. Uh, it's it's a really fun part of my job. <laughs> I really enjoy the Getty Museum. Uh, they do a very nice uh, um, trip with the students and they instigate the students to uh, really think about what they are seeing um, on the basis that they exhibit to us. On my calendar, <laughs> we are oh, we are actually uh, preparing a new uh, format to do this uh, to make this um, connection between the school here in Brazil that we're taking uh, to some museum in the world or even in our city. So we are studying uh, studying new f- um, formats of doing it. And one thing that we are uh, trying right now is the Google Earth. Um, uh, studio where we can record record all the way um, in a video format because usually we show uh, the students uh, pictures like screenshots from from the Google Maps and now we are trying a more dynamic version of it. So <laughs> I spent my whole morning uh, doing some um, experiments with Google. Um, Google Word Studio. So, well, that's um, something that was part of my my um, day today. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm sure the kids will love it. <laughs> yeah. Now, in most interviews, at this point, I would ask about field stories. Um, mm. 
or basically when things don't go as planned. Uh, so your field is very virtual. Um, so I'm sure you have stories about when things didn't go as planned and at the moment it's quite frustrating, but, uh, afterward and to me, it's quite entertaining. (laughs) So do you have any field stories or, um, just workplace um, mishappening stories that you'd care to share? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, uh, There is a story uh, before I was officially in the project. Uh, I was uh, there on the day, but I was not working to experiment Couture. I was just um, seeing how things were done. Um, But, well, we... We're having this um, few trips uh, on site. And we, we took some NGO to the Museum of um, Art, the Art Museum of Rio, actually. And uh, there was um, a senior, uh, uh, she was about 70 years old at the time, it was uh, 2019. And she was a chaperone of her grandson um, that was ab- about five, six or five. And they both were visiting the museum for the first time. And it was a, it was a really remarkable thing because I couldn't imagine how, like, how can a 70 um, year old woman never been to a museum before? And this was very uncommon to me. So um, it was very remarkable for me. Um, but so <laughs> when we have uh, the virtual field trips uh, with museums abroad, we always have an interpreter doing the simultaneous um, translation, mostly from uh, English to Portuguese and and also from Portuguese to English, of course. But um, a classic question uh, right in the beginning of the session, uh, when they hear the interpreter uh, speaking Portuguese to them, is um, um, mostly when the uh, museum educator or the, the museum explainer is a woman. So the the most famous question is, why is a woman speaking in the video with a male voice? <laughs> And so we had to explain what was going on there. And, well, I confess that sometimes we underestimate the children's attention to the details. And they always want a good explanation. And, well, since then we uh, started to inform at the beginning of the session that... um, we will have um, a simultaneous interpreter and he can be a male or, or there could be a, a male or a female voice uh, diverging from the original um, um, speaker at the museum. And, and well, d- uh, due to the great uh, Zoom technology that um, made this uh, interpretation tool uh, a possibility for us, uh, so we're able to hear what the museum uh, explainers are uh, saying their native language in Portuguese, in our native language. So Zoom is a, a great, great tool that allowed us to make this all happen <laughs> in the experimental culture of virtual format. And your translation team is flawless. Um, the first like dozen sessions, I forgot that they were even there uh, because... It just seemed like everyone in the room spoke English. <laughs> oh, that's so good to hear. Um, we have Eric is our main uh, interpreter, and he started um, working with us uh, uh, from the, be- the the early beginning. So he's just great. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm curious. Um, why why do you do what you do? 
uh, why do you think it's so important that people experience museums? Well, the reality of um, many of the projects uh, participants, it's around uh, the, the community where they live uh, with violence, uh, discrimination and few opportunities uh, for org uh, organic growth. So when we organize a visit to a museum, whether uh, it's a foreign uh, or national virtual or on-site uh, um, visit, uh, we find that we opened uh, invisible barriers that unfortunately exist for these students. Um, so what we showed them in practice is that there is a much greater world and knowledge than their physical surroundings shows. So um, what I do have a purpose, it, it has a meaning, uh, and, and we have a, a goal to accomplish that we want to take every single Brazilian um, um, students from these backgrounds to really uh, get to know museums and get to know what is... Um, um, around the world. I mean, they don't have uh, much reference from um, other people from um, other backgrounds. And we want to provide it to them that they could learn um, from uh, people all over the world. So it's not a perspective only from museums in Brazil. It's a perspective from other museums, uh, from other countries that um, they might never heard about, but it, it can be um, it can have an impact on their future careers, maybe. So <laughs> it's a good way of showing that people care about them and that they are valued, and also that these grand institutions, which um, we're very proud of, uh, which were designed to awe people. Um, can also be very intimidating uh, to other people uh, are actually welcoming spaces and places where they belong. Yes, definitely. <laughs> you are clearly very passionate about your work and you love it. Um, what's the best part of your work? Um, well, the, the answer is... Um, to this question would be uh, unanimous for all of our team um, but I'll just say for myself that um, it's seeing uh, without no doubt it's seeing the students interaction uh, during and after the visit when we have the Q&A moments because they have the most incredible questions yeah. um, and answers ever this interaction it's it's really it's, it's amazing it's really fun there are times when I can see a bit of a cultural bent on the questions and other times where it's just kids are kids no matter what uh, in every country. Um, That's true. But yeah, they always have the best questions and they're so enthusiastic uh, and appreciative of any answer, uh, even when it's they've asked something where I have no idea what the answer could be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's the uh, the worst part of your job or the most challenging part of your work? Mm, I couldn't name only one. Um, we have uh, so many challenges. Well, um, before the pandemic, uh, our biggest problem was scalability. 
the bus rental uh, it's very expensive and so is the gas here in Rio uh, one bus could only uh, fit 44 um, people and there was a time that the project could only afford to take one class per visit so the on-site model of the experimental cultura I mean the the on-site visits uh, to museums um, was really really fun and there's no doubt that uh, for a, a visit uh, to a museum for the first time um, it's way better when you're actually inside of the museum so the experience is complete but during the pandemic uh, when we had to adapt to the virtual model uh, the scalability problem was uh, almost solved because with the Zoom we could afford more than three Zoom accounts, for example, and make uh, three sim simultaneous uh, virtual field trips with different museums, with different schools. But we, uh, with that came uh, the connection and infrastructure problems. So um, some schools um, couldn't afford to have a good internet connection or uh, we, we had many, many problems with uh, infrastructure and, and, and internet connection. And you've solved that in a really unique way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we started uh, going to the schools and taking uh, our connection boosters and um, uh, projectors and um, audio boxes. Uh, speakers. <laughs> speakers. Uh, and, uh, well, um, it worked. I mean, um, we uh, sometimes we just um, uh, send the, the internet boosters to the school and they could manage to do it by themselves. And we started making a forms where they uh, would feel uh, what they have and what they don't so we could provide to them what they don't, so we could make the, the virtual uh, visit happen. So, because we're still doing the virtual um, um, uh, field trips until, until today, I mean, with, uh, with museums abroad, so. That's a really um, creative way of turning uh, a potential weakness into a really cool strength. Uh, I'm, I'm really impressed. Yeah. It was a real, uh, real big challenge for us because before we came with that ideas, we had a lot of problems. But yeah, we, we managed to solve it. <laughs> Another problem that uh, unfortunately we, we have no um, way of solving it in a short time is the violence in Rio. So um, most of the schools and NGOs that we work with um, are located in uh, potential conflict areas. And we call it a conflict when the police um, get to enter in the favelas after criminal groups, looking for uh, criminal groups. So most of the time, these conflicts involve shootings and police helicopters uh, flying around the favela. And when it happens, the residents can go in or out of the neighborhood, uh, which means that uh, when the school is in the neighborhood, they can cancel they uh, they can cancel classes for days. So uh, there's no way. Uh, 
that we could manage to have a virtual field trip uh, with the students inside of the school, of course. But that's a, a very um, big challenge for us until now. That's something that's just so um, unthinkable here in Canada, but um, totally makes sense when you explain it like that, that it would be a, a huge pr problem. Um, I haven't had any of my virtual field trips canceled because of that, so I didn't know that that was something that happened. Um, and hopefully it doesn't happen too often. Yeah, it's, it's not a very um, um, frequent but um, we had uh, three times this situation going on um, mm. that we had to cancel the, the virtual field trips uh, due to uh, problems related to violence. So that's something I didn't know about Rio. Um, something else I didn't know about Rio that I've learned uh, through these virtual field trips is that um, the city is home to an institution which has been at the forefront of fighting uh, pandemics and diseases. Um, would you care to talk about this institution? You talk about it at the beginning of most of our virtual field trips. Uh, it's the uh, Fiocruz, I believe, uh, Fundação Osvaldo Cruz. Um, so the foundation became uh, the base uh, for Osvaldo Cruz's uh, famous sanitation campaigns in Rio. So um, he was a very important um, person from the... the uh, medical and, and scientific area here in Rio. I was thinking of that beautiful lab in the jungle. <laughs> it's amazing. So that beautiful lab in the jungle, it's, um, it's a beautiful, beautiful, um, it has a beautiful architecture. And it's um, when, when you come from the airport to the city center, you're able to see it. Just like, as you said, in the middle of the jungle, <laughs> but it's actually very close to the city center. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a gorgeous building and um, I'm sure there's very lots of important signs going on in there. Oh, yeah. And there's also a museum inside of the, the complex that Ooh. is the life, uh, we call it Life Museum, literally translated to English. Oh, have you done a field trip there? Oh, yes, yes, we did. Not in a virtual way, but on site. We took the students um, before the pandemic scenario, so they could experience a lot of fun things. And they have an open area uh, where the students can can play and have um, they have a sundial. So, yeah, they have a, a huge sundial where students can learn. I'm curious. Do you identify as belonging to any underrepresented communities? And if so, has that affected your studies or your career in any way? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm really privileged um, here in Brazil because, well, um, considering that um, most of people here don't, don't get a higher education and, well, among other stuff, but I actually kind of work to provide equal rights and the access to education and culture here in Rio. So I had many privileges while in university and well, and I, I don't think that works the same way um, to many, many people here in Brazil. 
that's great. Um, and it's good that you're using your privilege to help those who uh, don't necessarily have it. Specifically, uh, you had the access to education and now you're fighting to bring that access to uh, other Brazilians who may not have had those chances. Now, your passion is for museums. Um, do you find that museums are really open and welcoming or more closed off and insular? So um, from my perspective here, working at uh, Experimental Cultura, uh, museums tend to be more closed um, when we come to them and, and propose a partnership. Um, but the, the schools are very, very open. Um, and inside of Experimental Cultura, uh, we used to call uh, museums for all institutions, but what we... Um, want to mean is uh, that there is uh, museums uh, and cultural and scientific spaces because we have a, a big range of institutions that we want to take uh, the students to to visit. So Here in Canada, we call them GLAM, uh, galleries, libraries, archives, and museums. Uh, but even that leaves out science centers, so maybe GLAMs. <laughs> That's so cool. We should try it here in Portuguese, maybe. <laughs> Get them all together and just make a single word. <laughs> that would be easier. <laughs> One thing that um, really surprised me uh, in doing these sessions was length of the interpretation. Uh, your interpreters warned me that when I speak to the kids at the end of the session, I have to speak very slowly because um, saying something in Portuguese takes a lot longer than saying it in English. Oh, yes. Um, that's um, kind of a problem uh, to the interpreter because, yeah, we have um, for each English word, we have about three to five uh, um, words in Portuguese. So sometimes uh, it's really hard when <laughs> when a speaker is speaking too fast. But you're a you're a very good uh, speaker. Eric never complained Thanks. about you. <laughs> Except for the last time, it was my first time since the break, and I got very excited and started to speak very quickly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He sent me a note asking, please slow down. <laughs> if anyone's listening to this right now and would like to follow in your footsteps, um, create an, or an organization like Experimental Cultura in their own community, um, what experience or courses or background uh, would you recommend they, they pursue to become the next Flavia? <laughs> Brazil, um, um, usually people uh, need specific courses to do some really basic stuff. And uh, Experimental Cultura um, just dropped that out uh, because we think the most important thing is um, uh, that uh, people need just to be eager to learn and transmit knowledge uh, in a fun and, and interesting way. Uh, to the students. So the most important thing is uh, to adapt the language according to the student's age. And, uh, well, while the management and operation uh, operational activities of the project, um, we also don't have any needed uh, educational background specification. 
uh, we think that um, you just need to be someone that can combine um, your knowledge uh, and skills to improve the way that the way that things are done. Um, like you have to be uh, constantly looking into new developments and new technologies uh, and be creative to apply into the format that you want to do to link this um, uh, institutions uh, to link schools and museums and and uh, I really need to to do um, a kind of a glam uh, in Portuguese so I can substitute <laughs> all this <laughs> can you imagine just speaking um, just saying uh, museums and cult cultural and scientific institutions <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great philosophy that you have at Experimenta Cultura. Uh, get the person who's right for the job, who has the right attitude, and don't necessarily get hung up on uh, what qualifications they do or don't have, um, because they can learn all that as long as they have the right attitude. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> And yeah, it's more it's more from the person than uh, from what um, it's from what they are capable to learn than than about what they already have and their um, background. Excellent. You have your MBA, uh, and it's that is not an easy certification to get. Um, you're also quite inspiring in everything that you do. Uh, who inspired you as you went through that difficult process? Um, I think from my closest closest ones, um, uh, my great great aunt, uh, she was an uh, English teacher here in the public school systems in Rio. Um, so she really um, uh, taught me about um, the unspoken languages of the these students students from the backgrounds that I work with so um, it's really hard to to tell when um, someone is having a bad day or or a good day the students don't speak that much so you have to be very attentive to um, well what 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 they are trying to say that they are not saying so what is going on at their homes that you just can uh say at school so and there's uh there there are students from all walks of life at the public um uh, school system here in rio and at the ngos so um being such a large city, it's no surprise that you have a wide diversity of uh, students with different educational and socioeconomic backgrounds. So it, it must be a challenge. Oh, yeah, that's true. And uh, I can say that my boyfriend, um, Arthur, inspired me a lot with uh, his artistic backgrounds. And well, his mother is... Um, conservative and rest restorer professional wow. so she she also uh uh taught me a, a lot about art and art history and all that stuff <laughs> so that's great they, they inspired me a lot <laughs> conservators are a fun bunch 
<laughs> and uh, while um, diving into this uh, field of um, art and education, uh, I met uh, uh, on my uh, researches uh, what people here in Brazil call the patron of Brazilian education, um, that is Paulo Freire. Uh, he created a methodology uh, consisting of a way of education connected to the students' daily lives and the experience they have. And so, if I remember well, um, he has a famous quote where he says, uh, teaching is not uh, transferring knowledge, uh, but um, creating possibilities for its own production or construction. So... He was an important guy in the, in the Brazilian education scenario. <laughs> That's perfect. That's very um, forward thinking. And um, yeah, it's no longer just the recitation of facts. It's the kindling of inspiration to learn more uh, on your own, especially on in these days where uh, your iPhone has almost all of the world's knowledge. Um, we don't need to... Uh, uh, hammer facts into kids' heads anymore, uh, so much as we need to inspire them to uh, research on their own and uh, and do it responsibly. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, we we always want to incentivize um, students to uh, do their own searches about um, what they want to find out. So we want to we want we wanted to introduce to them the Google Arts and Culture so they can do their own research at home and, and also take it to their homes with their families. That's great. Now, Flavia, I'd like you to look to the long term. What would you like to have as your professional legacy uh, at the end of your career? Uh, well, uh, looking to the future right now, um, I hope that uh, Experimental Cultura could grow on a large scale so we could make sure that Every single Brazilian child, young and even uh, senior, um, has experienced a visit to a museum, a cultural or scientific institution, uh, whether virtual or in person. So we want to contribute to enable a better quality of the cultural and, and intercultural engagement of the Brazilian students uh, with the world. So right now, <laughs> that's um, my perspective of future to the project. That's a very ambitious goal, but I don't yeah. doubt that with your <laughs> your energy and your organization um, and your passion, you will at least come close. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. <laughs> I'm also curious, uh, you've experienced museums around the world. Uh, you're essentially a personal encyclopedia of the world's museums, uh, not just professionally, but I also know this is your personal passion. Um, when you visited Vancouver, you showed me some of the photographs you have of exhibits uh, across the planet. So where do you see museums going in the future? And what advice do you have for young people who are thinking of going into that field um, so they can anticipate some of these changes? Well, I think technology has much to offer uh, to the museum of the future, if we can speak um, like that. Um, virtual reality is a thing that we can bring students, uh, people, um, 
closer to to museums even um not uh even when they they're not able to be there in person so uh i'm sure that uh, virtual reality uh, will be uh present in the in the future in the museums and if they can um approach that tool get the best of that tool i think it will be very successful it's funny you bring up technology um i always find that museums uh adopt technology in some very odd ways <laughs> and uh sometimes not the most uh, practical ways but uh, you are both a museum person and a technology person. Uh, you understand technology in ways that uh, amaze me. Um, and so I think you're the perfect person to make that integration. Um, yeah, it's it's about uh, combining methods and technology um, tools and aspects to, to build uh, a greater thing, uh, uh-huh. a, a greater format that... Um, well, we can use um, something like just a computer to build amazing things, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's more about creativity. Well, Flavia, uh, that's all my questions for today. Uh, is there anything you want to let me know before I let you go, or anything I missed out? I actually want to let you know that we are hiring uh, an intern to Experimental Cultura for 2023, uh, 2023, and uh, we hope that this intern could help us out um, on the operational um, and management um, um, part of Experimental Cultura. And we are, uh, well, trying new ways of... um, experiencing culture because experimental culture uh, in Portuguese uh, if literally translated into English would be something like try culture or experience culture so we are inviting this intern to help us out to try new ways of um, experimenting cultura <laughs> that's great that's really exciting you're expanding your team um, at lightning speed and uh, whoever gets that position is a very lucky individual by the way Flavia um, your organization doesn't charge schools for these visits uh, and yet you do have a, a large and growing staff how does experimental cultura stay afloat so uh, in Brazil we have uh, uh, resolutions uh, focused on the financial encouragement for the realization of future projects uh, so we have it in a federal um, state and, and, and municipal city hall spheres so this financing can be uh, partial or fully or full and and the money comes from taxpayers but only company only companies can participate Um so first, cultural agents apply their projects, and then uh, the companies get to choose uh, what cultural project they will sponsor. Uh, if we can put, if we could put like this, and with their with their tax money, so the companies will pay their taxes as usual. But instead of not knowing where that money is going, uh, the city hall of Rio de Janeiro, which is the experimental cultural case. Uh, we'll pay the amount estimated for the ex- execution of the future project. So the resolution that Experimental Culture is uh, registered, it's called um, ISS Law, 
So, Lei do ISS, as we call it in Portuguese. And it's only for the realization of cultural projects, but inside the city of Rio de Janeiro. So, um, Experiment Cultura, uh, for now, inside of that uh, resolution, is only for uh, Rio de Janeiro students at least. Um, because we had to adapt uh, initially, we uh, the museums were also from Rio de Janeiro, but we had to adapt uh, due to the pandemic. Well, Flavia, thank you for your time. Uh, thanks for your passion. Uh, thanks for coming into the PME's life and uh, doing everything that you do. Uh, thanks for teaching me how to uh, teach in a very different way than I'm used to. Um, obrigado, Flavia, and have a great day. Thank you so much. Obrigado, Daniel. Thank you for listening to On Earth. On Earth is hosted by me and produced by myself, Kirsten Hodge, our editor, Sarah Robertson, and Ollie Beattie designed our logo. On Earth is made possible thanks to the generous support of the Department of Earth, Ocean, and Atmospheric Sciences here at the University of British Columbia. For more episodes like this one, please visit our website at pme.ubc.ca slash learn slash podcast or listen in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. And see you next week here on Earth.